0: Hey, y'all, thanks so much for listening to the show. Before we start, quick plug for another show, Up First. It's NPR's morning news podcast. Up First is about 12 minutes long, and it's produced and posted at 6 a.m. every weekday morning. The show makes you real smart, real fast, and I listen every day. You can hear Up First on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast.
1: Hey, y'all, this is Sam's Aunt Betty. This week on the show, NPR Science Desk producer, Madeline Sophia, and education reporter, Claudio Sanchez. All right, let's start the show.
0: Hey, y'all. This is NPR. Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. No theme music. Each week we start with a different song. I'll explain this one in a second. But first, as Aunt Betty said, two great folks here in the booth with me today. Say your names, guys. Claudio.
1: I'm Madeline Sophia. Sophia. I'm going to change it after fault. Betty said no, it. No, I, I'm going to change it. I
0: gave it. her the wrong pronouncer. Mm-mm. She hates when I do that. Sorry, Betty.
1: Betty, you didn't do anything wrong.
0: <laughs> this is on Sam. <laughs> she also didn't say Claudia with enough zest. Who didn't say it with Aunt enough Betty. zest? Claudio, the way you said it. Claudio,
2: as one of my sixth grade teachers
0: used to say. <laughs> I like it. All right. Anyways, Madeline Sofia, producer on NPR's Science Desk, and Claudio Sanchez from NPR's Education Team. We're here to talk about what happened this week in the news, the culture. We're talking about the latest in higher education, and Title IX, uh, a certain salamander species that is trying to go back into the wild, mm-hmm. yeah. trying to make
1: a little comeback. Yeah,
0: yeah. Also DACA and Trump, and a whole lot more. But first, this song. Don't you guys love it? Cool. Do you know what song this is, Claudio?
2: Is it Beyonce?
0: It is. You win. She turned 36 this week. Mm. So I'm playing this song in her honor. She turned 36 on September 4th. This song is called, you know it. I don't. (laughs) It's called Get Me Bodied. Mm -hmm. It's uh, one of my favorite songs from her album, B-Day. It makes you want to dance. yeah, it is
1: from B-Day, isn't it? Which is a
0: great album. Happy birthday, Queen Bee! Happy birthday, Queen Bee! So, fun fact, she had a birthday cake that Jay-Z got her. It cost at least $3,500. No. The kind of cake she got, it was uh, from Cake Life Bake Shop. It was a custom geode cake. The prices for these geode cakes start at $3,500. What why is a
1: geode cake? When you cut it, is it a geode? It geo? looks like
0: it had geodes on it, like little crystals. Like the rocks? Yeah. I,
2: I want to know why.
0: All right, you guys want to see the cake?
1: Yeah, I want to see that. Oh, man. I don't know if I'd eat that.
0: It looks like you shouldn't eat it.
1: it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like my number one rule when I see a cake is, I'm going to eat that cake. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now for this, now I don't know what to do with it. art. Why? Because, because Beyonce. You're Beyonce. That's no excuse. Oh, that's... <laughs> That's the reason.
0: <laughs> if, so that's the do song. you
1: not love Beyonce?
0: What's your favorite Beyonce album or song, Claudia? The one I just heard. <laughs> you might, we might have to ask you to leave, Claudia. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. First, we'll start the show as we always do. I want us each to describe how the week felt in three words. Madeline, Sophia.
1: That's it.
0: So fire. You go first. Three words.
1: I went with "give me shelter." Okay. You know whether that's from hurricanes, nukes, earthquakes, anything. Yeah. Give me shelter. Yeah. It was. It was a scary week for it sure. It was.
0: I was telling someone this week. You know, you got the fires in the West, mm-hmm. Harvey in Texas, Irma in Florida, earthquake in Mexico. Some days it feels like the earth is trying to evict us. That's a good way to put it. It's like, it's just like, get out.
1: I read something that said uh, Irma would have more tornado-like winds than other hurricanes. And I was like, what is going on? What is happening? Hurricanes are tornadoes, earthquakes. And
0: now I'm seeing these maps that show that Irma could possibly just wreak havoc over the entire state of Florida. Like, The line of the storm will be exactly over the state Uh, for all of our listeners and for everyone down there. Please stay safe. Um, What do your folks say about this storm, Madeline?
1: You know, we don't know what exactly is going to happen until we until it makes landfall. But the idea being that this is one of the stronger storms to come through. I mean, following in Harvey's footsteps, which was one of the strongest storms to come through. In, in the idea being that this one is really has a lot more power behind it where yeah. Harvey seemed to have just a lot, it's a lot more of rain, rain, rain and it just sat it.
0: and rained yeah. this one is like yeah. the winds are going to be crazy
1: yeah and of course the fact that it's going to be hitting Miami which is already a city that's pretty much below sea level yeah.
2: i didn't have a sense of how powerful the wind can get yeah until i saw in the uh, a few of the islands these enormous towering cranes bent like oh toothpicks
0: yeah, yeah I mean,
1: 155 miles per
0: hour. It's crazy. I mean, that's... yeah. Also sending good vibes to the islands out there that have Absolutely. already been hit. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think Puerto Rico didn't get it as bad as folks mm-hmm. thought, but some other parts of the Caribbean were really damaged severely. And the other just... thing
2: that people are uh, obviously pointing to, which is, I think, even, um, if you could imagine, even worse, is the rebuilding. Yeah. I mean, there are places that have already been hit that can't rebuild for at least another six to months to a year. Oh, my goodness. I mean... If you think about what that means for people who live there, going without electricity, water, for For almost a year?
1: Yeah, especially on the islands, right, where there's not a— You're isolated. You're stuck. absolutely.
0: Anyway, I hope it is—I hope folks are okay. What are your three words?
1: This week was rescind, rescind,
2: rescind.
0: Okay. Now, this is in reference This is
2: is in reference, obviously, to um, the uh, Trump administration's essentially putting an end to DACA the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals that has given 800,000 kids a reprieve from being deported and allowed to stay. And of course, rescinding Title IX, which is the 1972 law that essentially oversees the whole issue of sexual harassment and um, sex discrimination on college campuses. These are huge. These are two big programs, two big policy issues that within a week, are pretty much on life support.
0: It's a lot to unpack, and we're going to save a little bit of this conversation because that's um, your story for later on in the hour. It's a very interesting story. Yeah. We're going to get to it.
2: Not your typical back-to-school story.
0: That is very true. My three words are Chuck And Nancy. Chuck and Nancy. Chuck and Nancy. uh, Chuck and Nancy? Chuck and Nancy. You know who those two are. Oh, and Nancy. I thought you were Chuck and Nancy. Nancy I would never Chuck 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 Nancy. Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, who seemed to be President Trump's best friends this week. They were giddy. It was insane. So some backstory. There had been a need to approve some relief funding for Harvey victims. But also a need to approve a raise in the debt ceiling uh, to allow the government to keep running. And instead of Donald Trump working with members of his own party to craft a deal, this week after a meeting with leadership from both parties in the White House, Donald Trump sided with Democratic leaders. Chuck Schumer, Senate Democratic leader, and Nancy Pelosi, Dem House leader. This...
1: Was crazy. Yeah, not not the great across the aisle man that you thought you were going to get. Yeah, it
2: was so unexpected. I think what was crazy was the reaction of uh, GOP leaders in Congress. They were stunned. Well, apparently, and maybe that's yeah. not even the right word for it.
0: Well, and it also makes you wonder who left in this city in D.C is really on Donald Trump's side or vice versa. In spite of Schumer and Pelosi crafting this deal with him this week, they aren't on his team. Well, the question they is... They will throw him under a bus as soon as they yeah, can. Yeah, I mean, think and about yeah. all this stuff
1: about him fake crying. You remember that? Wasn't he calling out Chuck for fake crying? Oh, yeah. Like, what?
0: And then the next day, Nancy Pelosi apparently called up Donald Trump or vice versa. And Nancy Pelosi was telling Donald Trump what to tweet. Then he did. What? Yes. I didn't know that. Nobody
1: tells Donald Trump what to tweet. Well, Nancy did. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi.
0: Chuck and Nancy. It's something. All right, let's hold right here for a quick break. We'll be back with Long Distance, where we call a listener and see what's up in their neck of the woods. BRB. Support for It's Been a Minute and the following message come from the Platinum Card from American Express. There's a great big world out there, and no other card lets you experience it like the Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express.
1: Support also comes from Paramount Pictures. Mother is a new psychological thriller from Darren Aronofsky, the director of Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. A couple's relationship is tested when uninvited guests arrive at their home, disrupting their tranquil existence, starring Academy Award winners Jennifer Lawrence and Javier Bardem. And Academy Award nominees, Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer. Mother arrives in theaters September 15th.
0: All right, now it's time for a thing we do every week. It's called Long Distance. So for today's call, we're going to be talking to a Dreamer, a recipient of DACA. But before that, I want to make sure that we clarify what DACA is.
2: Right. DACA, uh, in the summer of 2012 was an attempt by the Obama administration, since immigration reform was dead in the water, and since still the Bush. is,
0: yeah.
2: um, to essentially give a temporary band-aid to the problem of undocumented young people.
0: These are kids uh, that were brought in by their parents when they were kids?
2: Kids who were no older than 16, okay, and who were brought by their parents as toddlers, as teenagers, no younger than 16. And so they are brought to this country. Unbeknownst to them, they're undocumented. And the Obama administration felt that this would somehow create at some point a pathway for people who had not committed crimes, who did well in school.
0: And America was their home country. That's pretty much all they knew. And
2: they knew no other country
0: other than the U.S. And so for these kids, it allowed them to get a reprieve from deportation. They got permission to work, to study, to get driver's licenses. Uh, And there were questions about what Donald Trump would do with this program. The thought was that he might end it. And 10 attorneys general from several states said that they would sue Trump if he didn't end DACA.
2: Right. Now, remember, it wasn't that he might end it. He said he would end it.
0: But then he also said that he loves the Dreamers. He was all over the place. He was
2: all over the place to this day.
0: Yeah. You know, so there was a thinking that because these 10 AGs from several states threatened to sue trump should he not end daca the thought was that he would just end daca outright this right. week he did not do that jeff sessions came out his attorney general and said we will end this program in six months and we want congress to act on
2: it right you know i don't know how true this is but the president supposedly was waffling over this and at one point was considering just leaving daca in place yeah reportedly yeah um mr sessions made sure that didn't happen
0: so that's the background thank you claudio for your help with that you bet let's get to the call today on the line from fresno california we have hugo hugo you there
3: i'm here
0: hey man happy friday
3: i happy friday to you how are you i'm doing all right um uh let's just say i've had two types of rocky road this week so
0: oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) okay so what do you do out there in fresno uh i'm a nurse Uh, what kind of nurse
3: Um, I'm a licensed vocational nurse and I work for an internal uh, medicine physician.
0: Sounds like hard work.
3: Um, yeah, you know, you have good days and you have bad days, but overall, um, I've been doing it for about eight years. Okay. So I really like it.
0: Sweet. Well, you are on the phone with me and two of my friends, Madeline and Claudio. Say hi, guys.
2: Hi, guys. Hello there.
0: (laughs) Um so every week we have these calls and sometimes we pick the calls based on a thing that's been in the news that is the case today um you're a dreamer correct okay um you have said that you aren't usually outspoken or active in politics but this news is really affecting you this week how is it affecting you
3: so directly right now as it stands you know my life just goes on you know i come to work I go to the gym, I meet with friends or whatnot, um, but, you know, just thinking about the fact that in six months or so, you know, if something happens, I might not be able to come to work anymore, huh. I might not be able to pay my bills, I might get deported to a place I've never been since I was six um, is is kind of – it's hard to to just – have it in my mind all the
0: time. Yeah. So you're 29 years old. Uh, your mother moved here with you when you were 6 from Mexico. So I mean pretty much America is all you've really known. Why did your mother move here with you? Guys? Um
3: she was running away from an abusive relationship she was in at the time.
0: Okay. Okay. Um
3: and she had some family members up here and she just it just kind of happened. It it really there was no plan from what I remember there was no planning you know, all we did was grab a couple clothes a wow. bag and And we um, got on a bus, and before I knew it, I was over here.
0: Did you always know that you were undocumented, or did your mother have to sit you down at some point and have a talk with you?
3: Um, Me personally, I always did know, because my mother was always very clear about that. She she always um, made a point to let me and my brother know, you know, we're not in this country legally. You have to be careful when you're outside. Um, So I grew up knowing that. Um, In fact, um, I remember when I was in fifth grade, we had a trip that we we were going to do with a school uh, to SeaWorld. And I always wanted to go to SeaWorld, and I would tell my mom, but she said, we can't go to San Diego because there's border patrol down there, so we're not going down there. So I was like, okay, can I go with the school? It's It's my only shot to get down there so I can go to SeaWorld and see the wells or whatnot. Um, and so I remember knowing from a very young age.
0: Yeah, you know, you wrote us and you said that one of the reasons DACA was so important to you is that it lets you get a driver's license. And you talked about what it felt like to drive before that. What was that experience like?
3: Uh, it was it was difficult. I mean, I remember at sixteen, um, my mom started to teach, me to teach me to drive, and I, you know, I started learning just like everybody else. But I knew I don't have a life, driver's license, so. Um, she always made the point: you have to be very careful. You have to make yourself not notice. So, uh, you know, I would do my best not to get noticed. But you know, even then, you know, when a uh, when a police cop, you know, pulls up next to you or behind you, or you see them, you know, on the other side of the street, you know, your heart just starts pounding like hell, and you're like, "Don't get noticed! Don't get noticed! Just keep going." <laughs> and it was hard. I mean, you know, you, you definitely live your life differently than you would if you do have a driver's license.
0: You know. The latest polls show that a clear majority of Americans think that DACA recipients and Dreamers like yourself should be allowed to stay here, um, and they don't want this program rescinded. But members of Congress and in the White House can't figure it out for whatever reason, for many reasons. Are you mad at them? Are you mad at Congress? Are you mad at President Trump? Are you mad at Jeff Sessions? How do you feel towards those people that kind of Holds your your fate in their hands.
3: Um, What I can say is for a very, very long time, um, especially throughout my young adulthood, I felt very resentful about the situation I was in. Um, I wouldn't say I was necessarily angry, just resentful. Towards who? um, Just towards... The whole situation, I guess, Um I wasn't free because I, you know, I wanted to travel, go to a different state, you know, to go to a different country, and I couldn't do any of these things. So I just, I felt trapped. I felt like a prisoner. So I think that brought a lot of that resentment on. Um, But more recently, after this whole DACA thing happened and I was able to do a lot of different things, you know, that kind of, that kind of went away. And... I was just kind of thankful, and hmm. now, um, in terms of you know what they're doing, it just makes me sad. Um, it just makes me sad because most people who do know me, they know me that I'm am I'm, I'm an okay guy. You know, I just come to work, I do my thing, I don't harm others. I you know I'm just living my life like everybody else. And there's people who they think they know me, but they've never actually made the effort to know me, and they've already made up their mind about me. So it just it makes me sad more than anything.
1: Hugo, can I ask you a question? Yeah, go ahead. Did you ever get to see World, Hugo?
3: I did. <laughs> I did. I, I went to see World once. <laughs>
1: All right, Hugo, I was trying to make you laugh there for a minute. I'm glad you got to make
0: it.
2: <laughs> hey, Hugo, this is Claudio. Um, something that uh, Attorney General Sessions said stuck with me, And that was this argument. Those young people who've been so accomplished, successful, have actually taken up the jobs that Americans, US citizens, should have. What do you say to that?
3: Um, I plain out disagree with it because um, personally, I've, I've been very lucky that because I do work hard and because I do a good job as best I can, Um, whenever I get a job offer, they often, you know, don't want me to leave when, when I do leave. Or, um, for example, where I work right now, the job that I have, the job didn't exist. The only reason that the job exists now is because of me, because the person who hired me knew me and they said, I want you to come work for me. Hmm. I want you. And I'm like, you could hire somebody else at a lower rate that, you know, can do pretty much the same work for less money. And he said, no, I want you. So I would disagree about that because the majority of us, you know, we just make such a huge effort to just follow the rules and do good work and just push forward to help those around
0: us.
2: And I guess you're all good drivers, too.
0: (laughs) I I, I guess so. (laughs) Well, let's uh, lighten the mood a bit. What are you going to do fun for yourself this weekend?
3: Well, um tomorrow I work uh 'cause
0: cuz I have a part-time fun. job that's on the nurse weekend. Life, though. That's not fine. What's nurse your life. <laughs> a part-time job on the weekend? What's your part-time job?
3: Um so on the weekends I work for a nursing registry and they send me huh. pretty much um anywhere they that where there's need. So wow. it could be a nursing home, it could be a clinic, it just varies um around the, here oh around goodness. the
0: Central Valley in Fresno, so So that's Saturday. What about Sunday?
3: Sunday Sunday I We'll probably go hiking.
0: Ooh, where are you going to go hike?
3: I'm not sure yet. We're having a couple fires over here by Yosemite and Tulare, so I'm still not sure. I tried going last weekend and it didn't work out, but I might go to the coast. Um, Okay. Nice hiking over there.
0: Do you like scary movies? I don't. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to see (laughs) it this weekend at some point. Oh, no, I can't. Because the trailer was so scary.
1: No, I can't. I can't. I hate that movie. Agreed, Hugo. 100% agree. I thought we were gonna be friends, it. Hugo. No,
3: I, I can't. I, you know, maybe if you hold me, I'll. I'll watch with you. No.
0: Noted. Noted. Hey, well, Hugo, thank you for being so open and willing to share your story. Thanks for your time. Have a great weekend, and do not work too hard.
3: Thank you. Um, it was so nice talking to you
0: guys. All right, man. Hey, have a good awesome. weekend. I, I, I listen to your show every week. Well, thank <laughs> you for listening. Tell your friends. Good luck, Hugo. Good luck, you guys. Right. Bye, bye. What I find so interesting about this is the different expectations Americans place on Dreamers. Like, there was a lot of talk about a young Dreamer in Houston after Harvey who drowned trying to rescue somebody. And supporters of DACA said, look at how heroic these folks are. We got to save DACA because these are like superheroes. And sometimes my thing is like, what if a lot of these dreamers and DACA recipients are just normal folks like you and I?
2: There like, and there are lots yes, of them. I mean, a lot of them are. There's 1.2 million DACA eligible huh. young people running around. Yeah.
0: And like, and do I'm, they all have to be Superman? Like, Do they, they all have like, to be Spider-Man and Superman? To like, No, no. And you know, I've yeah. always
2: wondered. You know, I mean, this whole undocumented college students issue has been around for ages. Yeah. And I was talking to the president of Miami-Dade Community College. Eduardo Padrón the other day, and he was saying, "You know, I've been in this 23 years, and I've seen these kids come and go. They're not all heroes. They're not all good students. They're not all accomplished. Yeah. What's different about DACA, though, was that it opened the doors precisely to the kinds of people that this country says it needs. Yeah. And that's the irony. Yeah. That at a time when you're getting very people like Hugo, who was doing
0: working two jobs, two jobs, <laughs> yeah.
2: and doing some and contributing something the thing that kills this whole idea mm-hmm. is the fear of different people being given amnesty by cheating, Yeah, you know? That's the perception. These people cheated. They got in front of the line, they leapfrogged over everybody who wants to come here, and they don't deserve this. I don't care how talented they are. Yeah. That's the attitude.
0: I guess, but also though, it's like when you think about Ellis Island, decades and centuries ago, when you came over from Ireland or Germany or wherever, you didn't show up with papers. But that's you the just thing, showed chef. up.
2: But that's the thing. That was a different time. That was a different yeah. era Yeah. entirely.
0: Yeah. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Here with Madeline Sophia. Sophia. Mm-hmm. I love that. <laughs> from NPR Science <laughs> Desk. And Claudio Sanchez from NPR's Ed Team. People forget, me and Claudio go way back. Fun story, quick story. I'll keep it quick. Claudio and I had to go out to a breaking news event. And I don't know if you were going to drive or I was going to drive but we were trying to figure out how.
2: I was going to be your, your uh, navigator. Your yes. navigator.
0: Yes. But listen, Madeline, Claudio's <laughs> like, I got this. He pulled out a paper map. Okay, Claudio. A paper map. When Not was just looking... <laughs> any
2: paper map. It was a Rand McNally map. Okay?
0: <laughs> he was very proud of it. And so he's like putting on his magnifying glass and looking at where to told me to go on the highway. And I said, Claudio, put it down. <laughs> if you look over here, in this phone is a supercomputer. That will take us there. And ever since then, I kind of have solely converted Claudio to the wonders of Google Maps.
1: All right, Claudio. Has he converted you, though? He did. you trying to tell me you don't whip out those maps sometimes when you're on the road. I keep
0: them next to me,
2: but I have to say- A little
1: security blanket.
2: I'm a, I'm a convert.
0: Okay. Now it's time for the part of our show where we talk about stories from the week that was we each bring a story. First up, you Madeline?
1: It's me? Yeah. All right. It's my big break.
0: It is right? your big break. So Don't just, mess this up. Can you up. be
1: cool, Sam? Don't I'm ruin trying. this for me. All <laughs> right. Okay. So this is a, a little story about salamanders.
0: Love it already. So
1: I'm gonna give you some nicknames of these salamanders, which okay. is part of the reason why I went on this story. To be to be honest. Okay.
4: You're <laughs> okay, already laughing. Say, <laughs>
1: guess, it's perfect because I'm a little congested. Uh huh. Snot otter. Ugh. Boom. First nickname. Lasagna lizard. Okay. <laughs> Devil doggies, <laughs> Allegheny, You're making alligator, alligator. I'm not making this <laughs> up. I swear. we will bleep. Okay, I'm not, Allega- we'll okay, I'm not making what? this up.
0: Alligator what? Alligator
1: what? Allegheny alligators.
0: Allegheny alligators Yeah.
1: Whoa. Can okay. you show me these things? Yeah, I sent you. You don't read anything I send you. I, I sent I you so to be many surprised. emails. You never reply to me. I wanted to okay, be surprised. Okay, so I'm going I'm gonna paint a word picture for you, Sam. <laughs> Look okay, at me. They are this you. long. They're from the tip of my middle finger all the way up to my shoulder That's when they're humongous. fully grown.
2: Madeline, if I go to the zoo, can I see one of these?
1: It depends on which zoo you go to. Now, you generally speaking, you should be able to see them, but they are endangered in a lot of states. How endangered? States. So this particular type, which is the eastern hellbender, is all in the Appalachian region, right?
0: These live up in like- Oh,
1: yeah. They're in Ohio, Sam. They're in New York.
0: So but, like- so these th- these things are everywhere they've been in danger well, for a while. Well they're in the Appalachian yeah. region.
1: Um but well, basically what happened is that due to be it in, in Ohio in the creek that I went to. So I actually went to a release of these critters.
0: So why are they being released now? They're being released from like zoos. And... Yeah. So
1: basically this guy, Greg Lips, who's like the hellbender man, calls me up, you know, when you've got a background in salamanders like I do. And he's like, hey, we just grew up a bunch of these devil doggies and we're going to release 150 of them in Ohio. So basically what happened is these creeks in Ohio, were so polluted after coal mining and farming and deforestation that the hellbender populations dropped and dropped real hard, like 85%. Oh, wow. Um, And so what these people did was after they got the creeks cleaned up, after the EPA came in, they went and captured a bunch of them as eggs from their huh. nests grew them up in the Columbus and Toledo zoos and then we went back and we actually took these hellbender uh, babies which are called pups <laughs> and we slipped them under rocks in a healthy creek um, and to try to reestablish the population Okay,
0: that sounds cute.
1: It was it, we there's going to be a video.
0: So why I got in a wetsuit on <laughs> camera. So why so why this now?
1: So basically the reason now is because they're having a really hard time following finding young hellbenders. So in the wild? Yes, okay. and so they know that if they don't do something now, these entire populations are gonna die. Now that the Creeks are healthy enough, they're saying, okay, we've got it in a place where we can reintroduce them. And they live to be 30 to 50 years old, right? What? So you get like- It's so like when, the Highlander of lizards. Yeah, and they only, this is my favorite part, they only move like the length of a football field in their whole life. They're like, wow. I'm big and fat, I don't have time for this. They find a rock, that's their place. <laughs> When it's time to mate, if they feel like it, they'll <laughs> squiggle out, find another hellbender. The dads actually take care of the nest; they're good pops, and then uh, they go from there. But because these things don't move very far, you know, you get to i you know you get to see the same hellbender over and so over. So you again.
0: have hellbender friends.
1: I'm not trying to say yeah, like I'm I'm in, like so, I'm cool. Yeah, to the hellbenders. No.
0: My question is, a lot of the protections for these endangered species and their natural habitats is Supervised by the EPA, the mm-hmm. Environmental Protection Agency, they have a new sheriff in town uh, and right. a new administration in the White House. Yep. How does that affect endangered species like hellbenders?
1: Well, I guess the general thought is we don't really know yet. Okay, um, not a lot of things are actually you know changing uh-huh. um, to a point where they're coming down to the state level and changing them, um, but the idea being. I mean I'm sure that some of these conservation biologists are thinking like now's the time like, let's get this stuff you know before there's big changes in the way the EPA works Um, but the other reason that I went down there is because the project that I work on which is called Joe's Big Idea, Mm -hmm. shout out Joe Palka for your big idea um, is to kind of get into the minds of these scientists you know what makes scientists actually tick, Yeah, what's it like to be a scientist from the day to day because I think Mm -hmm. we have this idea of them in lab coats and Mm -hmm. you know and I'm going to tell you what I barely wore my lab coat when I was a scientist Sam like that's not
0: also sidebar you got a phd in what
1: microbiology and immunology wow stop it smart stop it all you need to do is give up your 20s (laughs) and get get, be willing to pay get paid four dollars an hour and it's easy (laughs) um no but so these scientists i'm talking to them in the field they're just like we literally just like cannot go to bed knowing that we didn't do anything to help these because they're going to be gone and so that's what drives them is they're like we are, I mean, a third of all amphibian species in the entire world are in decline, Sam. Really? A third of all amphibians. In- How long
0: has this been the case?
1: Uh, it's been actually fairly recently. Uh, that report came out in 2004, but it's thought that it's been happening, you know, for decades before that.
0: Well, I'm hoping these salamanders do okay. Yeah, and wild. we got a did vi- we, we When's took the video a crew, posting?
1: So the video should be posting late next week. Okay. Um, so check it out. It'll Stay be on tuned, NPR. Folks. Yeah, they're real cute. As Sam has been saying, has been hating on him so hard. I
0: love it. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. Claudio, you're next. And I kind of picked your story for you. I gave you an assignment. I wanted us to get caught up on the latest with the Department of Education and with uh, Betsy DeVos, as Secretary, and the latest on Title Nine and what's going on with that. Well, so Title 9 Let's define it first, yeah.
2: Right. Title Nine is the 1972 law that essentially uh, was supposed to monitor or make sure that colleges weren't discriminating mm, in terms of sex Um, on college campuses, and initially it was an effort to get some equity um, or at least some balance in in terms of... right. sports, right? Uh, nine is that's what it's known for, has been known for, uh, so that women's sports were not being defunded, Mm -hmm. that, you know, women had the same access uh, to uh, organized sports as men did on college campuses. All of a sudden, this becomes a huge issue when we started seeing this, I'm not sure it was an uptake, but certainly more prominent stories about sexual harassment and rape on campus.
0: And after that became a big issue, the Obama administration said, we want to use Title IX to also protect women on campuses from sexual assault.
2: Exactly. And they did. They cracked down. They imposed... Uh, and on no certain terms, told colleges, you better do something about this if you've got a problem on your and campus. And if you and,
0: don't do a thing about it, you can get defunded.
2: Exactly. And, of course, federal aid to colleges is their bread and butter. So they acted very quickly. Some went a little farther than others. So along comes Secretary DeVos of the Trump administration, who says, look, we're going to look at all these cases. And there were many instances that they found uh, that, for example, football players would be accused of rape, raping mm-hmm. uh, a girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And the girlfriend would eventually say, well, no, we were just horsing around. Or uh, would say, no, please don't uh, charge my boyfriend with rape. Uh, and of course, destroy his, his life. In this instance, there were some cases that the administration has used to point to what they view as an overreach. Yeah. And now, Secretary DeVos has called for public comment and feedback on the guidelines that Mr. Obama and his administration uh, had imposed and revisit this whole thing. And essentially, the message is, we're going to lay off this whole issue. The response has been, at least from groups like the National Association of uh, University Women, saying, you're now making rape acceptable. You're comparing the victims of rape
0: to the perpetrators. Uh, to
2: the perpetrators and what they've gone through. I mean, this is something that is so polarizing on campuses and, and certainly politically that it's going to be interesting to see what kind of feedback the administration yeah. gets because, you know, this is not exactly something uh, that, regardless of what the administration does, that's going to go away anytime soon. I mean, this is the time of year, the fall, the beginning of college, first semester, where incidents of rape, are known to happen at a Hmm. far more, a greater number Uh. than during any other time of the school year, because kids are arriving on campus, freshmen, all Uh, uh, getting uh, drunk on a weekend. I mean, this happens so often, and you wonder what the answer is.
0: Well, and then, I mean, for Betsy DeVos, looking at her tenure as Ed secretary, besides this issue, which is very controversial, she's made a lot of controversial moves in just the last few months. you know, She's rolled back protections for trans students. She's scrapped some oversight of for-profit colleges. She's changed rules that protect students from fraud. And a lot of people in the education field have been scratching their head at a lot of things she's been doing since the start. And also, we can't forget, she was barely approved for this job by Congress. As
2: far as people scratching their head, that includes most reporters, education beat reporters, because she's been so inaccessible. There have been very few secretaries of education who have gone this long without serious sit-down sessions with education reporters to respond or answer or get some feedback on why they're doing so much of what they're doing. I had an interesting little Incident with her when uh, my wife and I were running around Georgetown catching a movie, mm-hmm. and there is Secretary DeVos stepping out of a big limo huh. with three, four security people around her. And I approach her and I say, Secretary DeVos, I'm so and so. Wow. I'd love to schedule a short interview with you at your convenience. What'd she say? And she says, Of course. Mm. Did I ever hear from her? This was about six months ago. <laughs> I Every week, every week, I huh. just do it automatically. I send it. an email to say, where is that interview you all promised?
1: Yeah. You're getting, well, this, you're getting ghosted, Claudio. You're getting, you, you're yeah, getting, yeah. getting ghosted. Oh, she's really? just
0: not that into you. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Claudio. You bet. I hope she calls you back. So do I. <laughs> okay. I'll keep you posted. Yes, yes. All right. I want to tell you guys my story. As you guys know, or might not know, I am from the San Antonio area, and I was following a really weird story out of San Antonio over the last few days. Hurricane Harvey hit Texas, but, like, in Houston, Corpus Christi area, last weekend. Um, But there were fuel shortages further west in the state in places that did not flood, places like Austin, San Antonio, uh, the Dallas metro area. And I was like, what in the world is going on with that? So I called a few folks to figure out just how bad this was. And I spoke first with Paul Harden. He's the president of the Texas Fuel and Food Association. And he talked about just how crazy the lines were at gas stations and how long the wait for gas was in San Antonio. Sam, we saw pictures of people filling up five-gallon Home Depot buckets open containers, 55-gallon trash cans in the back of their trucks. Um, I mean, people just panicked. There were gas stations where people were waiting two, three, four hours. I asked my friends down there what they experienced. One friend told me that their neighbors had a gun pulled on them at the pump. Another friend had to help the cashier at a gas station with crowd control. Um, Another friend of mine got a concussion in her car because there was a pileup at the gas station. Uh, There were photos of people filling up paint buckets. One of my friend's mothers witnessed a fist fight. It was just crazy. And so my whole question was like, why was there a gas shortage in San Antonio when there was not real flooding in San Antonio? Any evidence of hoarding Well, hoarding was a big part of it. And there was just what folks told me was a a delay in output, not so much a shortage. So according to AAA, U.S. refinery capacity after Harvey and during Harvey was down about 20 percent each day that Harvey was a big deal. Right. Uh, That disrupted a few million gallons a day during those days. But the U.S. fuel reserve is 230 million gallons. So there's enough gas in the country. Uh, but there was a problem of getting gas to the right place after the flooding and power outages. But even still, it wasn't that bad. What happened was that in places like San Antonio, people were filling up at like 10 times the normal rate. So I also talked to Jeanette Castellano from AAA. And I said, all right, so these dry parts of Texas, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, they're having craziness. What's up with gas in Houston during Harvey hurricanes have a tendency to destroy demand so take Houston for instance I got calls last week from reporters well why are gas prices increasing here and here but in Houston they're you know not nearly seeing dramatic effects or it's just pennies well that's because for the week that Harvey was impacting you know Houston and the Gulf Coast people weren't taking to the roads they weren't filling up they did that before the hurricane then they were home or they evacuated. And so that was just crazy to me. Gas prices didn't go up that much in Houston, which had the worst effects of Harvey. And there was less of a shortage of gas in Houston than there was in places like San Antonio that weren't even flooding.
2: Well, Sam, have you seen the uh, police escorts for gasoline Delivery yeah. trucks in
0: Florida now? I was just talking to um, an analyst from GasBuddy.com. His name is Patrick Dehan, And he said that Florida is really gearing up to make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen in Florida. So they're having police escorts for the gas. They're doing all kinds of things to make sure that there's enough gas before the storm hits. Just a reminder that the economy of scarcity is very different than the psychology of Absolutely. scarcity.
2: That's a good way to put it.
0: All right. Time for one more quick break. When we come back, we'll play Who Said That? my favorite game. We'll also hear the best things that have happened in our listeners' lives all week.
1: Support for this
0: podcast and the following message come from WordPress.com. Creating your website on WordPress.com helps your customers find you, remember you, and connect with you at wordpress.com you'll find hundreds of beautiful designs the ability to add a custom domain name and features to make your business more visible online using the technology that powers 28% of all websites get 15% off your new website today at wordpress.com/minute hey y'all if you liked this episode of it's been a minute then check out how i built this every week guy roz post of the show he talks to the folks behind some of the most inspiring companies and movements in the world this show brings you stories of incredible persistence and grit and insight it's really good you can find how i built this on the npr1 app or wherever you find your podcasts all right, we are back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, where we catch up on the week that was. Here with Madeline Sophia of NPR's Science Desk, Claudio Sanchez of NPR's Ed Team, and it's time for a game. It's a very simple game. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said that. We'll do three of these today, and the winner gets absolutely nothing.
2: you Not even a Claudio.
0: Not even a cup? What kind of cup do you want? Clayton? I don't know. Something that says... Uh, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. We don't have swag yet. Oh, oh, man. I'm sorry. Come on. It's coming. First quote. Ready? I am proud to be a Democrat, and I wish Bernie were too. Who's that? Hillary Clinton. Oh, look at you, Claudio. Damn. You got it. Did you know that at all?
1: No. He's so fast, <laughs> and I'm really competitive, especially about things I have no business winning.
0: So Hillary Clinton He's said so this. He's so fast. He's so fast. He's great. Hillary Clinton said this in her new tell-all book. It's called What Happened. It's out September 12th, and Clinton spends a bit of time spilling the tea on Bernie Sanders. She said that Sanders' attacks on her during the campaign helped pave the way for Donald Trump and his campaign and his win. She said, quote, that Sanders had to resort to innuendo and impugning my character because she says the two of them already agreed on so much. She even called out the Bernie bros and she said Bernie's not a Democrat and also said that Bernie did not get into the race to make sure a Democrat won the White House. He got in to disrupt the Democratic Party. Whew,
1: well, those are some words.
0: Hell. I guess my thing is like Hillary's free to do whatever she wants to do, mm-hmm. but I'm sure the Democratic Party itself wants to leave the 2016 campaign behind. And this book and her ensuing book tour are only going to bring all this stuff back to the forefront, which is her right to do. She said it. Next quote I'm not a football expert. Who said that? Beyonce. <laughs>
1: Beyonce, Beyonce would never say that. Also, she Beyonce is, ex- is a football expert. She's an expert, expert. in all hey. things Claudio. I was fishing. That was the best part of that whole. Okay. It I was. am not a
0: football expert. It's somebody who's actually a football expert. Hmm. He's I the guy th- in charge of the NFL. Do you know oh, his it's name? The Do you know his name? Goodell? Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> his first name. I did name?
1: not think that I knew that. Yeah. Is his 1 first name? 1. Claudio. That's right.
2: Bring it.
0: What's one, his first one. name, Claudio? I don't know. Roger. Roger Goodell was Goodell. asked about Colin Kaepernick. This is the NFL quarterback who has had a hard time getting signed by a team since he began last season to take a knee during the national anthem and the Pledge of Allegiance uh, in protest and in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. Since that protest, teams won't sign him. Goodell's asked about it and he says, well, I don't know. I'm not a football expert. You are. You have to be. You're in charge of the NFL. you aren't, who is? Now, to be fair, Goodell also said that he thinks Kaepernick will eventually get signed. We'll see.
2: But why is he being singled out? Others have done it.
0: Others have done it now even more in solidarity with him, but he was the most vocal in the first, right? Yeah. Goodell, just say what you know. You know football, Goodell. You do. All right. Last quote. Okay. This is my favorite one of the whole It's a tiebreaker. It's a tiebreaker. Daddy, will you catch him?
1: Ivanka.
2: (laughs)
0: Ivanka. No! (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not Daddy, Derry. The the name of the <laughs> Derry, will you catch him? But I'm giving it an, an Irish accent. Daddy, will you catch him? Daddy, wait. Do daddy, that... catch him. Somebody chasing a. Salamander? Daddy, will you catch him? Not not chasing a salamander. Chasing a. You guys didn't see this video? <laughs> will you do your Irish accent? Daddy, <laughs> will you catch him? I don't. Daddy, do so, catch him. I don't do social media. Sorry. Oh, play the tape, Brent.
1: Mom, will you get out? <laughs> daddy, will you catch him? <laughs> oh, <laughs> f- <laughs> oh. Oh. Oh <laughs> Why do huh? why do we not know anything Jesus about this?
3: Catch him, Derry.
0: <laughs> Catch him, Daddy! Catch him, Derry. Bigger toe, that's it. Catch him now, quick. It was a bat stuck in this house. Yeah,
2: oh wait, oh. why this was on like This YouTube? was all over the <laughs>
0: internet, Claudio. Marie, will you stop looking in the door? Oh <laughs> Jeez
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I wanna know.
0: Okay, so let me tell you the backstory. On Tuesday, Tad Fleming, this filmmaker from Ireland, he posted this video of his dad trying to catch a bat that had gotten loose in their house. And there's footage of the dad with a towel trying to get the <laughs> bat. The mom is outside the door looking in because she's so scared of the bat. And Tad is just like, oh, my God, daddy, daddy, daddy. It's crazy. And the video has gotten like over a million views. Why? Because it's hilarious. I guess you have to see it. You have to see it. But even I here it is was funny. Funny. Listen it again. Was funny. Listen again, Claudio.
1: Catch him, daddy. Catch him. You're doing great. You're doing great. For those that can't see, Claudio is Just... laughing. I want that to be clear. <laughs> he does think it's funny a little. I'm going to send you the video. Well, now I do. <laughs> That's his.
0: oh, he nearly got that. Uh, nearly. No, he's still flying around the place. Quick. I'm going to try to prove to you as once you As a
1: person that has tried to catch a bat.
0: Of course you have.
1: And has gotten rabies shots. Oh, Lord. I'm in solidarity with that guy.
0: I will post the video to my Twitter account so all of you guys can see it. Uh, it'll be at Sam Sanders by the time you hear this.
2: I'm going to check it out. Okay, you better.
0: All right. We're almost done, guys. But before we go, a plug for Tuesday's episode. We're talking about a thing that hasn't been in the news lately a lot, but it's really worth talking about still. And it's Russia and President Trump's foreign business deals and how Russia might be tied to those deals. I talked with Adam Davidson. He writes for The New Yorker, and he spent a ton of time reporting on what kind of business Donald Trump has done overseas. And he says that if there is a link to Russia, and Trump, it probably runs through those foreign business deals. Some great writing on it. I talked to him all about that. Also, I got in the conversation, NPR's amazing national security correspondent, Mary Louise Kelly. So she talks about the state of the investigations into Trump and his campaign. And between the two of them, they make a lot of sense about all of the weirdness surrounding the investigations in Russia. I learned a lot from hearing them. Check it out on Tuesday. Refresh your feed then for that episode. Okay. Okay. All right. With that, let's end the show as we always do. Each week, we ask listeners to send us a recording of themselves sharing the best thing that happened to them all week. I encourage them all to brag. We assemble some here, and we listen to it right now. Hi,
3: Sam. My name is Valerie, and I live in upstate New York, and today is my 65th birthday. Oh. And I wanted to say that it has been one of the best birthdays I've had in a while. Happy
1: birthday,
0: Valerie.
3: And uh-huh. I feel so much love for my kids and all my family and my grandgirls, and my friends and i just wanted to share it okay take care thanks
0: congrats valerie
4: hi sam uh, my name is christina and i live and work in abu dhabi i've been overseas for six years and the best thing that's happened to me this week is that my dad sent me a photo of him with his passport. Yay. He is coming to visit me uh, with my mom for Christmas. Congrats. The best thing that happened to me this week is that my
3: partner celebrated his birthday. And six months of sobriety in his addiction
4: recovery.
0: That's awesome.
4: I was able to rescue a little hummingbird that had injured its wing. What? Oh, my God. I was able to take my mom skydiving to
1: celebrate her 50th birthday. Wow. I finished all of the work to earn my master's in teaching ESL. Congrats. The best thing I did this week was drive
2: 1,724 miles round trip. To watch my alma mater, the University of Alabama at
0: Birmingham, play its first football game in 1,007 days. Roll Tide. Today, I
1: successfully negotiated a salary that is equal to my male counterparts. Yes. Okay. Wow.
4: Hello, this is Hannah calling from Moscow, Russia. Okay. Um, my best thing this week is, um, this is my going away party. Guys, say hey. Hey! hey. <laughs> Beautiful. Yes, and um, in two days, I'm moving to Berlin, Germany to get my
2: master's degree. And so I'm very, very happy. Congrats. Hey, Sam, this is Van from SoCal. And the best thing that happened to me this week is that I was offered my dream job to teach high school choral music. And on top of that, it is the same district that my mom works in, so I get to work with my mom. And I'm super excited.
4: Hi, Sam. This is Mandy, and I'm calling with my best thing that happened to me this week, which was listening to your podcast and listening to everyone's best thing that happened to them and tearing up and realizing I don't usually tear up at this and putting two to two together. And I just took a test and (gasps) found out I'm pregnant. So (laughs) now I get to call my husband and tell him to. Name
0: it Sam. Oh, my goodness. Thanks.
4: Hey Sam, this is Carrie Ghosh from Columbus, Ohio, and the best thing that happened to me this week is I went home with my siblings and we went up to northern Wisconsin to clean up my 91-year-old dad's house that he's going to sell and move in full-time with my siblings. So we got a huge amount accomplished, in one day emptying out 23 years worth of junk, Uh, we laughed, we cried, we drank... But the very, very best thing was that the last box that I pulled out of the garage in a plastic bag that I thought was garbage, I looked inside, and there, wrapped around a nearly empty Robitussin bottle, was my mother's recipe book wow. that she had handwritten in, in a little little brown notebook years and years ago. It's been lost for 23 years. She died in 1988, and my dad wow. moved in 1994. And there it was, and we found the oatmeal cookie recipe that all of us had been pining for for two decades and trying to replicate and couldn't. It's got applesauce in it, pumpkin pie spices. it's really oh. great. But just sitting there with that notebook and seeing your handwriting, which just perfect, it was just like being with her again. So as I came, mom, it's been a minute.
3: Wow. hope you're having a great week, and I just love your show.: Thanks. Bye.
2: That's a great story.
0: Every week That's it gets nice. me. Special thanks to all those voices you heard. Valerie, Christina, Julie, Jessica, Shoshana, Stephen, Steph, Hannah, Van. Congrats to Mandy and Carrie. What a story. Email us a copy of that, will you? All of them. It's just, man. What was the best thing in y'all's week?
2: Not having to look for gas.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's that.
1: My best thing was it was my parents' 36th wedding anniversary. Hey, congratulations. Thanks for making me, guys. Thanks yeah. for making me. <laughs>
0: I love it. All right. Brent and I listen to all of these that come in. We wish we had time to play them all. But know that when you hit send on those emails, it lands in our inbox, and we do hear it. And thank you all for sharing those. Keep them coming. If you want to share your best thing all week, you can do that at any point throughout the week. Just record yourself. Send the file to samsanders at npr.org. Okay. Q Beyonce. We're done. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Y'all are pros. The show this week was edited by Kara Tallow and Steve Nelson, produced by your favorite of mine, Brent Bachman. Uh, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for Adam Davidson and Mary Louise Kelly talking all about Russia and Donald Trump. Madeline, Claudio, thank you guys. You can take the selfie now, Madeline. Go ahead. Okay. I'm Sam Sanders. Claudio, Talk soon. Oh. We Wait, we go. Am I in it? Yeah. I'm not close so enough.
1: All right. Come out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right
0: selfies on fleek thank you for listening i'm sam sanders talk soon